0: Anyone else from Sammy? This is the latest great from America. The latest great from America. He goes and windows window, stores, the fridge, at the back of your bed, on your motor car, anywhere you like. only 99 You have a nosy neighbour throw it on his window and you won't be nosy anymore. Never been seen in trouble before. We won't be seen again. 2.99 in, in your shop. 99 pence here today. When you throw them together, they'll make love together. Never been seen in trouble before. won't be seen again.
1: Anyone else for Sammy the the Spider in Dublin's Henry Street the other day? Sammy, the latest offspring in a family of inventions which includes hula hoops and disco bobbers, ruby cubes and clackers, all of which have one thing in common. If you're the first to hit the streets with one, you'll make a mint. But profit is only one of many reasons for inventions. Curiosity, inconvenience and sometimes even tragedy give birth to new ideas. Noel Manning of Enniskerry designed a fire barrier for attics after two people died when a friend's house burned to the ground about six years ago. The flames hidden in the cavities of the building had spread so rapidly that the victims were caught completely unawares. And this phenomenon of rapid fire spread, unobserved, has happened again since then.
2: An example of that was in Blanchestown, I think that's October, 12 months it was, when a Nen terrace house went on fire. And it took six houses with it. Uh, some of the uh, quotations in the paper were from uh, witnesses were, uh, that the fire spread in 20 minutes. So, um, on, certainly on tests that we've carried out uh, with the IRS in conjunction with the FRE in Borum Wood, uh, we have found that it's very possible for uh, a fire that would be sm- uh, smouldering, say, in a sitting room in an end terraced house, it could be a centre terraced house the gases from it can travel up to six houses at high level through attic spaces in the space of 20 minutes if they are flammable gases and then you get this uh, ignition when somebody sees smoke in the first house and it goes in the open the doors and windows you know the usual type of thing that you would do on impulse Um, oxygen is in and boom up it goes then flames will be instantly in six attics now it may blow itself out in in the remainder attics or it may catch in the sixth
1: well, how does your, uh, how does your uh, invention prevent this? Number no, one... What, what is it made of, anyway?
2: It is uh, rolled steel in conjunction with uh, rockwool fibres. And uh, it, 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 it is uh, galvanised, you everything is galvanised. And basically what it's done is it's fitted to the top of the dividing wall between the two houses. See, it's impossible to close off masonry, blockwork, tightly to the underneath of a roof because you get roof settlement on either side. And you end up with this bump which i'm sure you've often seen so over the years various systems have been designed the most common one being the sandwich system designed by mr silcox um one of the top experts in europe on on fire spread, uh with the fre and this was designed to create a low combustion area on top of walls where you have a block wall making contact with timber or steel or asbestos or slates or tiles wherever the case may be and um it created a low combustion area, you know. In, in, in what I call building in the uh, cold farm, that is perfect. The rock wall is, has a set uh, standard in re- regards heat resistance and so forth and so on. But the problem only arises when you have a fire, you see. Because the roof will collapse within, uh, as I said, uh, between 10 and 20 minutes. depends on the severity of any given fire, whether it's a gas leak, whether it's a fire created by whatever... Um, Source uh, um, whatever problem was created. Um, the thing, what, what happens then you see is that when the roof collapses, because the roof components, fascia boards, soffits, timber battens, felt tiles, all pass through, they're basically terraced roofs. The houses are semi-detached. But the roofs are terraced. They're totally integrated. So in my house, if I'm living next door to you and I come in at 12 o'clock at night and I lift the chip pan on, of have a few jars and I fall asleep or leave a cigarette on the couch or something and the house, the house goes up in flames. Um, my property to you is an unobserved area. You're aware of what you've done going to bed. You've put out, pulled out the plug of the television, you've put the cooker off, you might have a, an alarm or two around the house or whatever the case may be. And uh, you're aware of your own circumstances in your own home. You're not aware of what the guy is doing next door. That's the unobserved area.
1: We'll so, as far as fire is concerned, your next-door neighbour, in many ways, is the greatest danger.
2: He is, yeah. That's a, that's a fact. And the, the, the reason being is that when that fire travels up into his roof space, which it will do, uh, this is a high-level fire, particularly a fire that will start on the upper part of his house, uh, the results will be fire spread into your property. Because when, your roo- when his roof collapses, because the battens are continuous over the wall, they create a seesaw and they catapult the tiles off the engineering property.
1: Noel Manning now believes that this dramatic but unwelcome effect can be delayed or even prevented by his invention, the fire bar. But other people are concerned
3: with fire as well.
1: What is that, David O'Halloran?
3: It's a fire extinguisher nozzle that works manually and automatically. Uh, It started for a project for the Young Scientist Exhibition last year, and uh, I decided to come up with some new design for fire extinguisher nozzle because they normally only work uh, manually. So I thought I'd have to come up with something different. Um, uh, it was done with the help of uh, Mr McKenna in College of Technology, Bolton Street, who helped me with the, the drawings and that. And the actual finished product was produced by the workshops in Aer Lingus. But you, you, you saw that there was a problem with... Normal fire extinguishers? Yeah, uh, in a room if there was a fire and the fire extinguisher was on the wall. Uh, if there was nobody in the room, the fire extinguisher could do nothing. It just sat there and eventually exploded or whatever. But uh, I thought, well, if I could have it do something, at least something, that it would be a great help.
1: So you designed this?
3: I designed this, yeah.
1: Had your problems in designing it?
3: Uh, yeah, I had no knowledge of engineering drawing or uh, mechanical workings of any... Type so I went to College of Technology, Bolton Street, to get some help. Uh, I was taught the rudiments of engineering drawing, and I still didn't have any knowledge of metal work, so I had to have the the actual nozzle built for me. But what's different about it? Why? Why is
1: it? uh, How does it go off automatically?
3: Well, it's is I had to have it as simple as possible, so it's more or less uh, a mixture of solders, which will give a low melting point and uh, at a given temperature, and the solids can be mixed to give that certain temperature, it will release a shaft which will release pressure and will direct uh, the water or the foam or the powder from the extinguisher.
1: So what happens is that the heat of the fire in the room triggers it by
3: melting melting the the solder.
1: Well, you must have patented it, did you? Uh,
3: I had a provisional patent for 12 months, but uh, I don't have it anymore. Why? I just didn't have the money to finance the further patent. There were agent's fees and that that I couldn't have come up with.
1: But despite that, David O'Halloran continues to improve his invention. And now for something completely different. (laughs) Well, Christy Glenn, I'll have to ask All you right. what that extraordinary device you have there is.
4: That's a it, Glynnon. It's for backing traditional music. And it's made up of, of uh, ash, Irish ash. Especially uh, made discs for to give sound. And it has pins going through, protruding, uh, for to take the discs onto. And we use a beater, which is grooved, as you can see, for giving you the trebles across, using on your right or left hand, I'm left handed, but you can use it if you're right handed, and using your wrist movements on the stick here for to give you the different sounds. And most yeah. important of all, it's your invention. It is, yes. How did you come yes. up with the idea? Well, it was uh, going back a few years ago when my son had a few tops rattling them on a nail and I thought that it sounded good and I thought that making them uh, to extend on it so I started making uh, uh, increasing on the stick with bottle tops and I started to get a sound that I liked and I thought it would suit music so
1: so here um, you ended up with this stick, about this five feet long, little bit of old. It's five
4: feet. Uh, around about five, five and a half feet. And well, who's with, been interested in it? Uh, do you think there's a market for this? Well, I would honestly think so. Anywhere I've played it or demonstrated uh, I found that it was a great interest by the majority of the people there, both young and old. So you want to,
1: you want to sell it now, do you?
4: Yes. Well, we have a manufacturer in Kilkenny that is. Uh, doing them at the moment, so they should be on the market uh, within the next two months. Or so.
1: What sort of bands would use this? I mean, we've heard this in traditional music context, but uh, do you think they're uh,
4: the all Pop bands or um, jazz bands, they can change the beat uh, for the suit. You know, it's not uh, particularly for traditional music alone. You can use it in, in pop groups or anything, really. You know, this, it's it's... All you have to do is change the, the speed of the beat on it and uh, you're away.
1: You'll have to give yeah. us another sample of, of your uh, musicianship. So, yes, would you sure. like to try
4: something else? Yes. Whatever uh, you want. J- uh, Jig. Alright, yeah, so we just, just give fine. you a different beat on it.
1: Okay. it moved there from an invention that came into being because of a tragedy to an invention born of a young boy's exuberance rattling tops on a nail but many new designs appear simply because they help to reduce inconvenience for example parents exhausted with the business of lugging offspring in the traditional carry cot from the even more traditional point a to point b will welcome the arrival of the trendy cot a much publicized contraption of zips and straps which folds away almost into a handkerchief when not in use. And its many compartments will hide brushes, combs and other whatnots that no self-respecting baby could do without. Rita Lett, a farmer's wife from Wexford, designed it. So I asked her about the difficulties of getting her design onto the market, why so few inventors were women. But first, as an inventor, did she differ from ordinary mortals?
5: I don't know that I'm different from any other woman, but I find I'm very creative I, I do a lot of sewing, um, dress dress design, cookery. You know, I, I feel that I'm. I God has given me two hands, and I feel that that's my that's my. You know, I'm artistic, in one way that I can do anything with my hands.
1: I've talked to a lot of people uh, about inventions, and hardly any are women. Do you think that women use these uh, creative creative skills? other ways, they don't invent things but they might make a lot of things they,
5: they, they do but I think a lot of women a lot of people uh, are scared I mean they're not scared but they don't know about inventions and this is why I think that there's not enough um, publicity about inventions and people don't know about it but since I start, invented this uh, trendy cut, um Wexford, I have been on and dated with uh, phone calls from people, how did you do it how did you go about it where did you go and so on and letters and the same since I appeared on the Late Late Show uh, every week I get letters people ask me and um, I I was telling this to Kieran Comerford the other day and he said now you know what we do every day you answer these problems and I mean I'm really (laughs) it it reminds me of Frankie Barn dear Frankie and I answer these problems and they really the biggest problem with people is they don't know where to go or who to turn to for help and that's the biggest problem. And they may, have, they may have ideas and they may have inventions, but they, you know, full stop.
1: Do you think there are, in fact, a lot of other oh, they, women?
5: They are. I'm sure there are. They, you know, they have, they have ideas, but the biggest problem is making them. I mean, you may have ideas. A lot of people bring me up and say, oh, I have a wonderful idea. What do I do about it? When my idea is if you can make it, I was lucky, I was able to make my uh, first prototype with my little sewing machine, and I was able to bring it along and say, look, there's my invention, what do I do with it? Or, I mean, I said to a manufacturer, there it is, and straight away they said, God, this is marvellous. You know, so from there it went. Can
1: you remember the other sort of things that uh, those women that you spoke to had devised?
5: Um, well, not... not they, You know, people are they they are artistic but uh i think it's possible they need a little shove <laughs> you know what i mean they need to um to um, people to say to them look go and do it i think most people need a little shove to get on and go on with the work and do it but they don't know how to go about it
1: well you knew how to go about it uh, uh, and you see markets opening up in front of you now because you've gone into it commercially But does that mean that you're well on your way to the first million?
5: Well, Mihal, at the moment people think I'm a millionaire and I get begging letters every day. Please, Rita, may I have a trendicot for raffles, for... uh, Oh, you name it. And uh, they they all come and they scratch my back and they say, oh, how does it feel to touch a millionaire? But, I mean, that (laughs) that takes a long time. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a millionaire. I'm not. But, I mean, if everything goes well... And it's going as we hope it should. And at the moment, we're after breaking into uh, our French French market, and we've got a a very big order. And uh, at the moment, up to this moment, the manufacturer in Newbridge has been, his girls and himself have been working up to 4 o'clock this morning to get this order out. So this is great news, and we hope that it will continue.
1: And of course, uh, babies are things that always keep appearing, so there should always be a demand for a carry cot like yours.
5: Well, I hope so, and we hope that uh, uh, God love them, they'll keep on having babies.
1: (laughs) One man who won't have any need of Rita Lett's trendy cot is Michael O'Flanagan of Lachlanstown. Two reasons for this. One, his children are grown up, which is as good a reason as any. But secondly, the likelihood is that if Michael wanted anything, he'd simply make it himself. He's built a small research and development workshop in his garden and has produced mobile sculpture, solar panels, a dog scratcher for his corgi and a staircase that is so simple in concept that it's almost impossible to describe. What was his best
6: invention? The most exciting one is one that I have um, just completed now and that is a little golf uh, instrument. It's a scientifically designed Precision built optical instrument which you attach to a putter blade which fixes all of the five variables related to putting.
4: Now, for now somebody who
6: knows nothing about <coughs> golf, what's that mean? It means that if you stand over, the golfer will understand this, if one it, it has to do with putting, when you stand over a, a put to put the ball, say, from even six feet into the hole. Um, Statistics have shown that even with professionals on a very straight put from six feet, they will miss uh, over 55% of, of those puts. And the extraordinary thing is that once you do that, you, you never know precisely why you have missed it. Because of all the variables, you are supposed to get your eye directly over the ball, but there is no way you know that you have your eye directly over the ball. Having got your eye directly over the ball, you're supposed you're supposed to be then in the best position to judge the line to the hole. That is true, but there is no guarantee that you will, in fact, uh, judge the the correct line. Uh, so that's a second variable. The third one is having got that line or that now imaginary line that you are to put the putter blade at ninety degrees exactly square to that line. That's the way the ball comes off the the blade of the putter when it's struck at. So again if you are even if I gave you a fixed line if I draw a line there and I say well put the pencil now at 90 degrees so that you'd be doing very well if you got it within plus or minus 1 or 2 degrees so that's the the third variable the fourth and fifth then have to do with taking the putter back along that line and holding the the putter blade square so i made um i accepted that as a challenge it was again necessity was the mother of invention I was a bloody awful putter and uh, I've improved considerably since but uh, I came up with something which fixed one of the variables extended that to fix two of the variables and eventually got something that fixed all five of the variables you cannot in fact miss uh, with it your, um, your golfing has improved. So, it has uh, considerably. Um, but
1: have your friends been at all excited it, at the prospect of playing against they, you with this little mirror device? No, on?
6: I'm doing very well in the local stakes, actually.
1: There's a distinct possibility that Michael O'Flanagan will do well in international stakes fairly soon, when you consider that there are 18 million unfortunates addicted to golf in the United States alone. If even one in a hundred. But a putoscope, as it's called, it would finance Michael's R and D well into the next decade. But how do you break into the big time with your invention, carrycot fire barrier, whatever? First, get a patent or patent by going to 45 Merrion Square, Dublin, the Irish Patents Office. And it's into the front room of that Georgian building that the hopeful go with their patent applications. In brief, they have to have a description of their invention. They file that description with the people in Merrion Square, pay some money and get a provisional patent, while searches continue to prove that the idea is in fact a novel one. But first, what is a patent? Brendan O'Gorman of the Patents Office explains.
0: Well, to most people, an invention means, I think, a machine or a gadget. But the definition as laid down in the Patents Act of 1964 is somewhat more elaborate. It defines a patent as any new and useful art, process, machine, manufacture, or composition of matter, and also any new method or process of testing applicable to an improvement or control of manufacture. It would also include, of course, alleged inventions and any new method or state of art.
1: So if uh, somebody feels that he's invented something new, they would come along to you here at the patent's office? Yes, he should come to the office,
0: and the first thing he should do and do it quickly is to file his application because the date of application gives him an entitlement to claim the right to the patent from that particular date. It would be most advisable that he shouldn't disclose this patent to anybody in advance of filing it with the office, or they might uh, decide to uh, get in ahead of them.
1: Roughly how much would the whole process cost?
0: Well, counting fees for an application and filing of a complete specification and novelty evidence, uh, an application made direct to the office could cost in the region of £150, which would give the applicant protection for the first four-year life of the patent subsequent to that he has to pay reasonably high fees to continue the patent in existence for th- the full period of a patent, which at the moment is 16 years. Well, then you said "May directly to the office. Are there other ways of... It? Oh, yes, certainly there are, and indeed because of the complexity of the patent system, we do encourage uh, inventors to proceed with their applications through the uh, registered patent agents. And uh, in that case, of course, these are professional people, and uh, there would be applicants would be charged appropriate fees.
1: How long does it take from the per- the moment the person walks in the front door here downstairs to the moment he walks out with a patent in his hand?
0: Well, it does take some years before the application is finally examined and approved, and. The sealed patent is issued to the applicant, but it must be borne in mind that the fundamental date is the date of filing of the application and protection can accrue to the patent from the date of filing despite the fact that the patent is not granted uh, until the expiry of some years.
1: So the moral of the story is get your application in
0: rapidly. Indeed it is. Get it in as quickly as you can and Keep quiet about it, too, even your best friends.
1: Well, you may want to keep your new idea for making your first million from your best friends, but Brendan O'Gorman there suggested that once you filed a provisional patent, it might do no harm to talk to a patent agent. These agents will, for a fee, help potential inventors obtain a full patent by conducting long and complex searches to prove that the invention is in fact new. Supposing for the sake of argument you've invented a kind of cigarette lighter, a patent agent will search to see whether such a lighter existed before. If not, you're on to a winner, and the agent will then write a specification or formal description to get a full patent for you. Peter Kelly is a patent agent and has many
7: callers. Oh, all sorts. Uh, In a practice like this, I should first of all explain that uh, in Ireland only 15% of the patent applications are filed by Irish individuals or companies. Uh, So you could say 70% of our time we work for foreign companies, multinationals and the like. But you're primarily interested in the 15%. So let's look at what... uh, We deal for a number of Irish companies, of course. That's straightforward enough. And in those instances we deal with their research directors or technical people. But we also, of course, have a large number of uh, individual or inventors if you like and uh, they come from all walks of life uh, and invariably their inventions tend to lie in the type of work which they do so you uh, get farmers coming in with little bits for ploughs or what exactly you get farmers coming in with inventions relating to constructions of cattle sheds silage tanks uh, muck spreaders uh, ploughs uh, any of these uh, agricultural implements. So you get a knock on the door and you really don't
1: know what's going to come in? or It's
7: one of the nice things about this profession. Uh, Come Monday, Tuesday, we're never too sure who's going to arrive in or what sort of technology we're going to be asked to advise on, uh, what the next case will involve us in. It could be in agricultural machinery, Uh, it could be in the field of electronics. Uh, Again, we could be into the field maybe of automobile construction. Uh, we've done a number of cases recently, in fact, for anti theft device, for devices for cars. Uh, I think all the motor cars being stolen have started a lot of individuals thinking in the city of Dublin, and uh, a lot of good ideas have come out of that.
1: Well, anyway, I come in and with my mythological cigarette lighter, and you go searching
7: for patents for me, do you? Uh, We can do that. I've never been uh, a great advocate of carrying out patent searches, as it were, up front. If I think that the invention is patentable and the inventor is is equally persuaded that what he's done is new, I would recommend moving straight into filing a provisional patent application and going out into the marketplace and see if the inventor can license it or sell it. My reason is purely financial. Uh, We can say, prepare and file for an inventor a uh, patent application and the provisional specification for, say, around £200, maybe £250. But if you're to carry out any sort of a worthwhile patent search, the reality of it nowadays is that you must embrace British, US, German, say, French patent specifications. And to carry out a search at that uh, depth would certainly cost around uh, £1,200. So, so there's a great difference in costs... And uh, an inventor, uh, particularly individual inventors, are not people who are all that wealthy generally and can afford to uh, spend a couple of thousand pounds finding out whether or not their invention is new. So if they file the provisional specification, once it's lodged, they can go to the experts. And the experts are the people who make, in your case, cigarette lighters. And if you refer your invention to them and ask them for an assessment, particularly uh, if you try and sell it to them, or interest in, in taking a licence, they'll soon tell you whether or not your new gas valve for your cigarette lighter is new or not. They'll come back and give you probably a much better answer than uh, perhaps I'd be able to do by spending a couple of hundred pounds.
1: What's the oddest thing that's landed in here in front of you?
7: Oh, <laughs> well, uh, we do get people who come in who have uh, extraordinary ideas Uh, as to what they may do. I suppose the oddest one I've handled uh, has been a nuclear fallout shelter. And uh, I'm not prepared, of course, to go any further and mention any (laughs) names. But uh, we've also had one where the uh, inventor, by uh, having a, a particular piece of equipment which would affect the path of the sun, found that he could control the economic affairs of the world and uh, he wasn't too easy to deal with either. We had to persuade him that perhaps he might go and do a patent search on his own and see if anything could turn out.
1: Far from controlling global economics, many Irish inventors haven't enough money to maintain even their own patents. Costs of development and production are so high that some turn to state agencies like the IRS for assistance. As part of its function, the Institute for Industrial Research and Standards evaluates new ideas and uses taxpayers' money to promote the good ones. I went to Glasnevin, to the I.R.S. and asked Dr Michael Sharp what sort of things people bring to him.
8: Well, virtually everything. One of the uh, difficulties I have is uh, when an inventor approaches me and and, and seeks an opinion and I have to virtually refuse to give an opinion immediately on the the basis that I can't be an instant expert on everything. Um, So literally uh, we get inventions of of all sorts from uh, ordinary consumer products to very sophisticated machines for doing fairly specialised industrial tasks um, and from all sorts of people from the ordinary man in the street so to speak up to the uh, company or the, the university lecturer so So what happens then when somebody comes in to you well the first thing is as I said earlier they have to formally apply to us for assistance um, so they actually have to fill out an application form and they have to put down on paper what the invention is we, we, we prefer uh, to try to get the, the idea from somebody on paper a brief description and, and a rough sketch or, or drawing ever um, we then have to put all these through an initial screening process as it were as, as you will appreciate some that they are um, very differing in their, in their merits and so within a couple of weeks uh, these things are considered by a few people and we weed out as it were the ones which we really think have virtually no potential um, the ones which get through that stage then are subjected to a more detailed evaluation in that we begin to look in in some detail at the the novelty of the invention, whether or not uh, it or something very like it has been patented in the past. Um, The technical merits of it, could one actually make it um, reasonably economically at a price that one might be able to sell it, and also what the commercial prospects for it would be. And by commercial prospects, usually we mean uh, whether or not uh, it would be possible for an irish an existing irish company or a new irish company to be to make and sell this this uh, invention
1: because ireland is a small country does that mean
8: that uh, an
1: inventor here is at a disadvantage
8: he's not at a disadvantage automatically but there there are certain things that he has to remember that we get a lot of um, certain consumer items which uh, people think are novel simply because they have never seen them here and in fact they have already been invented uh, sometimes many many times in, in other countries um, Examples? Uh, well the kind of things that come to mind are, are toothbrushes that hold toothpaste and um, uh, devices for rocking Automatic devices for rocking prams. You know, these are these are a couple of things that we've had in the in the recent past, and that literally, uh, even within our service, come up over and over again. And, and uh, this isn't to say that there aren't uh, slight differences between the ways in which one can do it, and, and uh, in fact, it may be that one person's way of doing it is better than another. But uh, in general, we would tend to say that where the principle of the thing has been well established in the past.
1: Michael Sharp there shares an office at the Institute for Industrial Research and Standards with Kieran Comerford. You may remember Rita Lett mentioned him earlier on. If the double IRS decides to support an invention, Kieran oversees the patenting and launching of the product. I asked how many hopefuls apply for help.
9: Well, we get uh, about 300 applications a year, but we really only end up putting in money into about 10 out of 300.
1: It's as low as that?
9: Yeah, in actual money terms, yes. I mean, we do quite a lot of work on, say, another 30 or 40, helping them along the the road to see if we can get them off the ground, and then if they get off the ground, we'll put some money in. But in the end, it usually means that about 10 of them are actually going somewhere out of the original 300 each year. Well, how would you pick the lucky 10? Um, Well, there are a number of things required. Uh, um, There's the whole question of patentability. They have to be able to be... uh, Patented, And then there's the question of the commercial possibilities for the invention. They have to be able to be manufactured at a reasonable price, at a price that people will buy them, people have to have an interest in the product, and we have to succeed in finding a company that will take them on because there's no point uh, You could have patents for inventions, but they could be lying on the shelves for years and nobody might ever take them on. So we make it a condition that we set there's a period of 12 months allowed in the patent system, and we use that period, and we lay down the rule that by the end of that 12 months, a company must have been found to take on the invention. How many inventors, in your, in your experience, uh, jealously guard their brainchild? How, how many of them are very suspicious of people attempting to... To spy on them, uh, some of them unfortunately are a very small percentage. Some people are so suspicious that they won't even tell us what their invention is. And when this happens, it's very difficult. Um, we've had people who have actually written to the minister and said they would only tell the minister for industry and energy about their invention and nobody else. And the minister has had to write back to them and say, "Well, I think you should trust the double IRS that that, that they really would have to check it out." so you should trust them at least. How many people are as cagey as that? Well, very few, but it has happened, in fact. But people recognise that we're a government agency and therefore you should be able to trust us. I mean, you have to be able to trust people like the IRS and the IDA and so on, and you have to be able to trust patent agents and the Patents Office. I mean, if you didn't trust them, how would you ever get anywhere with an invention?
1: Another man you might trust with your invention is Tom Carroll of the Innovation Centre, which is two miles from Limerick City and just off the Dublin Road. Its motto is Big Thinking for Small Industry. So who does it help?
10: Well, the Innovation Centre is here to help two kinds of people. People come to us with product ideas. The idea is usually at a very embryonic stage, and our job is to work with the client to develop that idea and get it down to the marketplace. That entails doing things like, for instance, looking at the market for that particular product and the particular markets where you're going to sell the product. It will also uh, involve the development of a prototype, and we can do that sort of work right here in the Innovation
1: Centre. We have the equipment and so on. Well, you have a, a book over here, if I can reach, reach it, uh, with a number of your successful products. Could I call them the successful products? Yes, indeed. And uh, we'll just flick around and see what we got. Yeah, we have a lifting trailer. Now, what does that do? That's a very interesting one because
10: that idea was developed by a student at the National Institute of Higher Education in Limerick, and he came to us with a drawing describing how this product might work. Now, he had approached other parties to back him. Uh, we decided that we would, in fact, give him support. We brought him into the Innovation Centre and we worked very closely with him, and we developed a number of working prototypes. And what has transpired, in fact, with that product is that it has been fully commercialized
1: and it is now being manufactured
10: by a company in Clonmel.
1: So is his experience typical? Now, somebody would come in to you with a few drawings and say, I have an idea here, will you back me?
10: Yes, that would be typical of the sort of person that comes to us. We like them to come to us at a very early sort of stage. If we think that there is market potential, then we will come in very strongly behind the development of the product and we will work very closely with the client.
1: What what does that lifting trailer do, as a matter of fact?
10: Well, it's used, in fact, uh, in the building industry and also in agriculture. Uh, It could be described as a multi-purpose trailer in that sense.
1: And he had no uh, other opportunity of, of launching that, now getting that on the market around here, had he?
10: No, I think he was in the uh, sort of catch-22 situation because unless he could develop a prototype which he could show to people, nobody would really believe him that such a thing could be developed. So we overcame that
1: obstacle. Do you, so you, think, there do you, do you think there obstacle. are many people around like that? Do you think there are many uh, potential inventors in the country?
10: I do. um, I've been looking at some international statistics, for instance, and it shows that the number of patents that we file per 1,000 of the population is extremely low. For instance, it's only 5 per 1,000 here in Ireland. In Japan and the United States, it's something like 80 per 1,000.
1: Is there something wrong with it?
10: I think what it's, it seems to me that the Irish people are very creative and that there must be a lot more people out there with uh, the germs of ideas that could in fact be brought to organisations like the Innovation Centre, the double IRS and so on and we could see perhaps whether there is a market for them and we would be delighted to do that sort of thing.
1: Well, there's a possibility that we suffer from... A sort of sense of inferiority, that we, we feel, ah oh, sure, it won't really work anyway, or nobody would be bothered listening to it. Do you, do you experience that?
10: Well, I think that scene is changing very rapidly. We're in fact very encouraged by the confidence of people that come to us, and they certainly have a very strong belief in their product. We naturally try to reinforce that belief by bringing forward evidence of the marketability of that product. I emphasise the point about the market because I think it all begins and ends in the
1: marketplace. But surely you you have to encourage creativity as well. Uh, Before you start thinking about markets or before you start thinking about uh, making products, you have to encourage creativity. How would you do that? Uh,
10: You certainly do have to encourage creativity, and I think this calls, for instance, for action at a number of levels. Uh, For instance, the attitude of government agencies I think is very important in here. Going back one step further, I think our education system can play a tremendous role in shaping up the attitudes of people uh, towards creativity. Um, So what we would like to do is to build on that sort of work when it comes to the actual development of a product idea. Another point I would make in this regard is that people should not be despondent if the first idea doesn't work. What we want to do is to encourage those people to go back, work on another idea, bring it forward and keep doing that sort of thing, and eventually they are going to be very successful. I think all of the international evidence pines up that that, in fact, is what happens. I mentioned that there are two kinds of people that use the Innovation Centre. The second type, in fact, are people that come to us looking for product ideas, as distinct from those who come to us with the germ of an idea. So. What we do with those people is we have assembled a tremendous range of information here in the Innovation Centre about new product opportunities from around the world. So we encourage people to make an appointment, visit the Innovation Centre, and we then try to isolate out product ideas that would be of relevance to them.
1: Tom Carroll. One of the inventors encouraged and assisted by the Innovation Centre in Limerick was Dennis O'Connell, who invented that trailer Tom mentioned. But now, he's trying something new.
11: Well, when I finished with my multi-purpose trailer, I, I decided that there was a, a need for somebody who could develop inventions for, from the drawing board stage right through to production. Because uh, most people, when it comes to the Innovation Centre, or come to people like this, obviously they need finance, etc., and marketing information, but also they need, they need somebody to develop their product. Because inventors often are pretty good technically, but they're not good enough perhaps to design the product right through to production. That would include things like uh, dealing with manu- dealing with manufacturers, suitable manufacturers, uh, standards, European standards, um, uh, economical production methods. We have found, um, in, in while the company has been in existence, we have found that um, it takes at least 12 months to get any sort of a product off the ground. And uh, there's a number of stages you have to go through in in developing a product. The first one might be. Uh, Looking at the market, find out exactly what's needed. Perhaps the inventor is developing a machine that's maybe too big or too small for the particular market. So, after getting the market information, we have to sit down and come up with different concepts on, on the way the machine could be designed to suit that market. We've got all sorts of designs going on around us here from the sound, <laughs> of, things true. Well.
1: True. <laughs> the sound of things. But uh, you, they come to you then, and they, they, you would have inventors coming in with cardboard boxes full of bits of wire and saying, This is my product.
11: That's right, and I want it developed true to, to, to production but obviously there's a lot of other things to be considered we're just concerned with the design end of it I mean if, if a product is very well designed it's, it's great and it's a help but there are other aspects like finance and marketing etc and we realise this
1: Nevertheless Dennis O'Connell in Limerick there always welcomes new customers but whatever the reason for invention whether it's necessity inconvenience or just plain old making a few bob on the side the inventor in Ireland can find support if his idea is worthwhile. If not, and it's quick money he's after, well, he'd be as well off getting a few boxfuls of Sammy the Spider in from Taiwan and heading down to Henry Street.
0: Anyone else from Sammy, this is the latest grade from America. The latest grade from America. He goes on window stores, the fridge, at the back of your bed, on your motor car, anywhere you like to you have a naughty neighbour, throw it on his window, and you won't be naughty anymore. Never been seen in something before, I won't be seen again. 2.99 in, only in your shop, 99 pence here today. When you throw them together, they'll make love together. Never been seen in something before, I won't be seen again. Anyone else for Sammy the Spider, only 99 pence?